Hello everyone and welcome to the Landromat, the podcast dedicated to compliance professionals. Today, we receive Solandia Jourdi, the compliance globetrotter. She started working in 2017 and already gained experience in various companies based in the UK, Lebanon and Dubai. Recently, she decided to leverage her expertise in licensing for fintechs and digital asset businesses and created her own consulting firm. Hi Solandia, it is so nice to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Hello Baptiste, thank you so much for inviting me to be uh, with you on the podcast today. Yeah, it's my pleasure really. So let's jump on the first question. Could you please tell us what you are up to at the moment? Of course. So as you know, Baptiste, uh, I've been working as head of compliance in uh, multiple uh, digital asset and fintech businesses. And as of uh, the past two months, I've opened my own fintech advisory to continue to provide services to clients and the businesses that I was working for, but through, through my own advisory firm. Uh, what my business is uh, basically based on is a fintech advisory whereby I continue to provide compliance and anti-money laundering services to clients. But at the same time, I want to be a connecting point between clients and industry experts because one of the biggest struggles that clients who want to uh, start and dip into the fintech sphere or the digital asset space is to find the right industry experts to work with. Industry experts that are experienced in this field and blockchain Uh, in multiple jurisdictions. So this is what I tried to do with my new business. Okay, and you, you, you will still do it from Dubai? Yes. Uh, Dubai is a very uh, perfect space, I would tell you, for this industry. And I've met throughout the past couple of years a lot of people, agencies, clients, industry experts where... It is really a connecting point uh, for people all over the world. So I will continue to work from Dubai. My company is based in Dubai. Uh, maybe it will require more travel, my new roles throughout my company. But yes, I will remain based in Dubai. Okay. And at the, at the moment, it's only you and you have like experts that you can tap into the knowledge uh, as you need. Or do you have employees yet? Or is it working? Yes, right now I am uh, alone as a full-timer in the company and I've uh, started to partner with different uh, firms and agencies that will need some industry industries within, the, within what I require. So I have narrowed down some very crucial uh, industries that, because given that I'm the first point of contact for companies who want to set up licenses, let's say, They always tell me, oh, do you know someone who's an expert in blockchain? Do you know someone who's an expert in that? So I've narrowed down some industry experts and started partnering with them. And I plan on expanding uh, gradually in order to have industry experts for each uh, single uh, industry or field that is required. Okay, that, that's amazing and, and very brave. You can definitely count me in if you need an expert for European regulations. Yes, of course. This is already done. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, another question. Uh, I looked into your LinkedIn profile. And uh, so I saw that you, you studied in Beirut, uh, in London. Uh, and I was wondering, how did you choose to specialize in compliance? 
You know, Baptiste, I've always been uh, very fascinated uh, with financial crime since a very young age. And I said that if I want to do anything, I would either do criminal law or uh, and if criminal law would work in financial crimes, it's always been something of interest to me. Uh, I've always thought of uh, how anti-money laundering is carried is very interesting. It has a lot of uh, potential to growth, you know. Uh, I knew people who worked in anti-money laundering in 2006 and 2005 when it first started going. And I always thought it's very interesting. And it stayed with me. Some people think uh, I'm crazy to have loved it for a very long time. And maybe it's boring. But I think it's very interesting, always changing. You have to stay up to, ta- up to date with the field. And you can always grow and develop. Uh, some field not to name any, but I feel like some fields are a bit stagnant, but with financial crimes and compliance, it's always ever-changing and ever-developing. So I found really uh, a thrill in this field, so which allowed me to to take a chance on it because when I studied it, I was like, okay, it's as interesting as I thought it was. So every time I researched, I was like, okay, it matched my expectations, which allowed me to continue with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I completely agree with you. Uh, we need to keep up with the regulations, but we also need to keep up with the money launderers. So it's a very challenging field. And uh, compared to other ones, it's also kind of easy to find meaning in what we are, we are doing. Of course, I agree. Um, so another question, you have a very international profile and uh, I know from experience, I have uh, friends from Lebanon that uh, you tend to, to, to move around uh, a lot for work. Uh, I saw that you work uh, in UK, in Lebanon, but also in the UAE. Uh, did you notice interesting differences, in the compliance industry between these countries? Yes. Uh, I noticed a lot of differences and I'm very grateful for the international exposure that I've got uh, working in three different jurisdictions. Uh, I always uh, say that each one is different and it brings its own challenges. Uh, The UK, for example, is a country that has uh, a lot of rich knowledge and structure in anti-money laundering and there is a lot of case studies and you can really from an academic point of view and you go back in time, you can learn it differently because it has more history. Uh, Lebanon, for example, it uh, started uh, a while back as well, but there is not not enough regulations and implementation at the same time. So Lebanon is different. There's a lot of complexity in the in the field because you see some bank, although it's standardized through the central bank, there's a lot of different uh, policies, procedures, functions that are carried out between one financial institution and the, on the other. So it's a bit fragmented. And the UAE, which is the, like the youngest uh, country of these three, has uh, worked a lot in the past couple of years to keep uh, improving, keep doing things, uh, always wanting to improve themselves. It's younger than Lebanon and in the UK in this aspect, but has shown a lot of exponential growth in the past couple of years. So it's a bit different. And there's a lot of regulatory authorities in UAE. So different regulations and legislations to carry up uh, out in anti-money laundering. So each one brings its own strengths, weaknesses, history, challenges, uh, which was very interesting for me to uh, 
really dip into how to carry compliance and anti-money laundering operations in each different jurisdiction. And what's interesting is that I had relatively different jobs, you could say not with the same duties and responsibilities, which also enabled me to understand more uh, the differences. Okay, and would you say that uh, UAE, I mean, Dubai, uh, where you are based at the moment, is your favorite uh, compliance mindset? Or is it more the opportunities you get there that uh, uh, made you choose this location? You know, uh, UAE is a very good space for the fintech and digital asset space. Uh, and I thought... And there are a lot of regulatory authorities there. So this is also like a challenge and an advantage uh, because uh, the licenses that are carried out, the anti-money laundering regulations in each licenses are different. Uh, how to navigate through this industry is uh, something that is one of a kind. And the UAE always uh, tries the best possible means to cater to this industry. They understand that... Uh, They, they want to be the crypto hub of the Middle East, and they are. And it is a destination for that. So I found myself uh, happy and enjoying the services that UAE is bringing to the table when it comes to this industry. The most, I would say. Okay. Okay, That's, uh, that, that makes sense. I uh, Very, very, very interesting. And... Um... Looking at your profile, uh, I, I was impressed by the, the number of experiences you've had uh, at such a young age. I, I won't ask your exact age, or what, but wouldn't that be uh, like very, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, I, I would not be a gentleman if I addressed <laughs> that, but I, I saw when you finished your studies, so I know that you, you must be more or less the same age as me. And uh, I was wondering, uh, is there a secret formula uh, that you could share with us to, to uh, get to such uh, high responsibilities within a short period of time? <laughs> I would tell you, Baptiste, that there is no secret formula at all. But uh, I think I was, uh, I think uh, hard work and a lot of commitment is what got me to handle uh, a lot of responsibilities at a young age. I've always uh, been very committed, but I think the past few years dipping into the digital asset and fintech space is what empowered me even more. Working in the digital asset space and being able to work uh, and communicate and be interviewed by regulators is what empowered me to have like a 360 view on what licensing, licensing is, what regulations is, what rec uh, regulators require, what are the weaknesses, the gaps, uh, how to properly assess, uh, ri assess risk and create a risk mitigation framework that actually works, how to stop money laundering and not just mitigate AML uh, money laundering risks. So I, ha I worked hard a lot, but I also was very committed. And this commitment is, I think, what... Uh, allowed me to be lucky or fortunate or grateful in this aspect. So, yes, it was, uh, I mean, luck is always with us, but my commitment to what I did or my passion and my commitment is what uh, allowed me to take uh, a lot of responsibilities uh, from the, for the past few years. Okay, so we, we have to work. 
all right uh, <laughs> i thought there might be some tricks in your in your sleeves uh, but yeah, definitely, if you look at our uh, expertise, the, the compliance industry, the regulations, they are changing so fast that uh, in the end, you don't need a 50 years old uh, expert. You need someone which is able to think uh, on its feet and uh, find the, the new solutions because uh, it's evolving so fast that you don't need someone with uh, 30 years of experience. It's, not, uh, it's definitely not useful. Yes, of course, uh, especially, uh, Baptiste, that when they, uh, people imagine someone in compliance, they imagine someone very old who's been working in uh, compliance for a very long age and a uh, long time. And this is good, but also people in our age group have also, uh, they don't need so many years, as you said, because if they have the commitment to stay up to regulations, have the passion to work in this field, entrench themselves uh, to work in multiple jurisdictions or have multi a lot of exposure, they can be able to step up into big positions. So this field gives you the capacity to uh, to grow a lot in a short period of time. So I, I really support people getting into this domain because really you can work on yourself in a very short uh, period of time and be able to match uh, high level uh, positions. Yeah, that, that, that's very true, and that's definitely what I, I love about uh, about our jobs. Um, still uh, digging on your uh, on your career and your experiences, uh, I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure you faced many challenges. Is there one that was especially uh, hard to overcome, and if so, how did you handle it? Yes, I think uh, you just mentioned something we just mentioned in the previous question, which is uh, the age, uh, the age or being young in the industry. I think one challenge uh, I face is, or sometimes that because I am young, people think uh, in the industry, oh, maybe she's not very experienced because you know how sometimes people have prejudice from first impression uh, and sometimes in uh it's because uh, women, women also struggle more with this. Uh, sometimes uh, they listen more to a man, and especially when it comes to compliance and also young. So being young and being a woman sometimes have has its challenges because you feel like people don't take you seriously. But uh, then uh, things change when they get to meet you. So I've come more resistant to types of prejudice on first impressions, I would say, and have become more accepting and understanding that sometimes this is what happens and people have to meet you maybe one time, two times, three times to trust you and understand, oh, this person knows like what they're talking about. Oh, I must have misjudged. So this is this somehow a challenge that I would say I faced and I've come to understand that, uh, you know, I meet people, a lot of people on daily basis, clients, potential clients, uh, third party affiliates. So it's uh, become it's a challenge, but we always have to overcome it and think more of in a strategic, logical manner. I would say. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not the first time I, I hear about this type of uh, challenges. So I guess uh, in compliance and, of course, in many other industries, that's something which is unfortunately still a thing. Uh, and I'm curious: is that uh, only coming from? Uh, older men or is it like more broad issue you would say 
a broad issue because you know sometimes uh you face it with women who are older and they think because you are a younger woman maybe you don't know so it's not uh, a man issue against women or a woman issue against women but it's a more of a broad thing because you meet some people like that maybe 20% of the people I meet are like that only not everyone but uh, it happens sometimes and uh, not always but when it does you feel like oh how can I tackle it you know it's more of a broad issue it gets better it's not always like that and uh, but it's something that we have to deal with and know how to deal with properly I personally uh, don't take it personal maybe before I used to but uh, I've learned not to take it personal it's a broad issue I mean so many people face it young people face it women face it young plus women face it more so it's just a broad maybe universal thing I would say yeah 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 I think you're right and in the end easy for me to say of course but uh, I think it's better to see that as a challenge to overcome uh, more than something to get mad at because in the end when you get mad you, you also lose a hundred percent I agree with you you know what, let's move to uh, a funnier uh, question. Uh, I mean, maybe it will be fun. I, I don't know. It, it will depend on your answer. Um, do you have any crazy AML story that, you, uh, that you've come to see with, uh, with your career so far? You know, there are a lot of uh, crazy AML stories because sometimes uh, when... You, you know also that when uh, some people try to outsmart the system and uh, try to launder money or have a lot of, uh, you can say before you detect that they're laundering money, but there are a lot of uh, things that they are doing which you think are, why would you make it this obvious or how can you, like, are you really willing to get caught? Like these type of stories where... Uh, you have uh, 25 people like uh, making KYC after each other within a span of six hours and then on in crypto especially and they're trying to uh, use mixers to uh, disguise the source of the originator and the beneficiary and you have transaction monitoring tools like chain analysis you have really good uh, KYC uh, uh, providers like SumSub and you're like why you're gonna get like what what are you trying to do uh, so always uh, my team and I laugh about these situations because it's uh, it's uh, it's good that we have such tools uh, to detect uh, and we have such expertise to be able to detect uh, uh, money laundering on the blockchain and some stories get very crazy and sometimes we stay days and weeks in order to uh, in order to uh, uh, make up our mind and understand if really this client is involved in financial crimes and uh, I would say 50% they are and 50% we keep them monitoring so it's always uh, very funny I would say when we're analyzing and we see all these KYCs so it gets very funny. Oh, 50% that's uh that's huge. And uh, so you, you talk about these uh, transaction monitoring tools for crypto assets. And uh, I, I was impressed by actually the, the how powerful they are, they are compared to the ones for fiat. Uh, it's so much more uh, convenient for us uh, compliance officers. 
if you want to track the the journey of a coin you can literally track it to the to the very first moment it was uh, emitted so i think it's uh, it's going to be uh, a game changer for the industry in the coming years Yes, uh, tools, uh, blockchain analytics tools are really good and they've also improved the past couple of years. For example, Chainalysis, I've been using it for more than three years and I know when these tools started uh, launching, uh, they were more limited because it was the beginning of uh, the rise of this space and what they are now is completely different. Uh, they work on centralized businesses versus decentralized businesses and they've grown a lot and they continue to grow, they continue to develop. They always, uh, for example, go to different businesses. I use Chainalysis on more than five, six businesses. So they, they consult with me and a lot of other businesses, like the, the contact persons of multiple businesses to ask, uh, what do you think we should improve? Uh, what do you like? What works? What doesn't work? And all these uh, blockchain analytics tools do the same. And I just want to fix as uh, something that I said before, Baptiste, which is that uh, 50% is, uh, when I was explaining that 50% is uh, mon uh, the, with the risk and 50% is under monitoring. It's not always, what is interesting about digital asset space is that it's not always when you say 50%, uh, they're doing something wrong, it's automatically money laundering. Sometimes the 50% could be market manipulation. So, for example, because there's not a lot of trading or liquidity on a certain token, you can manipulate the price. Sometimes the KYC is uh, wrong or, uh, you know, with the travel rule and everything, and they're conducting transactions on uh, behalf of someone else or they're opening multiple accounts. So sometimes it doesn't have to be money laundering, but they're doing something wrong that you need to deactivate their account or make them sign up again or explain to them that market manipulation as per our terms and conditions is not accepted even if they're trading normally and not aware of market manipulation. So we have uh, different reasons why we, we might deactivate an account, why we might suspend an account, all in um, referring to the regulations of this jurisdiction and what is our capacity to act and how we should act. So it's very interesting because uh, we have a big space of no's and red flags. So we always uh, wear multiple hats to understand what is happening with the user because sometimes they really don't know or they're, or, and it's the thin line of uh, right or wrong and we need to assess. I see. Fa thank you for the, the clarification. Yeah. And speaking of um, crypto mixes, uh, I know that there are some explanations about legitimate use of, uh, of these, but uh, I'm pretty sure that in the end, they are mostly used by uh, criminals and people that want to hide uh, uh, illegal activities. Did you ever find uh, a client which actually had uh, uh, a legitimate and uh, honest story about using a crypto mixer? Yes, we. I've seen the clients and sometimes uh, friends of mine tell me that they received their funds from someone and this someone received it from someone. But unfortunately, that someone received it from somewhere that was uh, related to a sanctioned address. So sometimes people want to just uh, disguise the originator because they know somehow that Binance suspended someone because he's linked to that account. So sometimes they just want to disguise the originator so that they don't face troubles, but they are completely 
uh, oblivious of why it was linked to that. But other than that, no, Baptiste, there's a lot of uh, cases of uh, terrorist financing from mixers. I, I genuinely think that well, I understand why uh, a big like tornado cash was uh, sanctioned. It is a legitimate reason for sanctioning because there's a lot of uh, incidents that happened for mixers. So there's no uh, supportive argument at this point for that now. And we are doing everything and all these regulations are coming into place to really mitigate financial crimes. So having mixers being used on a day-to-day basis is kind of a setback at this point because we want to support the growth of digital asset industry. But uh, mixers is something regulators do not want to at all turn a blind eye on. And it's understandable. Yeah, that's a very tricky question. And uh, you mentioned the regulators, and uh, I know that you have this expertise in uh, licensing for fintechs and digital asset businesses. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about the type of licenses you work on? Yes, of course. So uh, most clients, uh, and I would say most of my work is related to virtual asset service providers, VAS. And uh, you know that with the crypto licenses, each country... uh, has different uh, services that they offer under virtual asset uh, businesses or our virtual asset service providers. Some uh, Sometimes uh, clients want from me just a custody license, sometimes a full marketplace with custody and uh, also running an exchange. Uh, sometimes they just want a financial institution uh, license, but this is like a fintech license that allows you to also work with digital assets. Sometimes it's a payment institutional license. Sometimes we work on money service business, uh, money uh, money service business license, the MSP in Canada or money transmitter license. There are a lot of uh, licenses that fall in similar categories and include different services because as you know, Baptiste, uh, uh, more than me even, that sometimes when you want to work across two jurisdictions, you might have the same license, but the business activities of each license differs. So always uh, I always want to know from the client what exactly do you want do you want really the full marketplace or the custody license do you want to offer a payment merchant along with it what exactly do you want because the business activities of the license is key to understanding which license i want to undergo and uh all of these licenses i work in a lot of jurisdictions for that and which brings me back to why I chose Dubai, because Dubai gives this international exposure and clients there uh, and the companies that I've worked for always want to open in multiple uh, jurisdictions. For example, Estonia, virtual asset service provider, VAS. In Canada, the money service business. In Dubai, we have different regulatory authorities. So there's uh, also different VAST licenses, etc., uh, etc. Et so yes, these are the mainly the licenses I work on. Okay, well, that's very diverse and uh, it must be very interesting to work on such different projects on a, on a weekly uh, weekly basis. And um, so you, you, you said that uh, Dubai is very open to the world, it's very international in its uh, developments, especially for fintechs. Uh, and I want to finish on this question. Uh, what are, in your opinion, the key compliance challenges for the crypto industry in Dubai? Yes. 
So in Dubai, or let's say in the United Arab Emirates, in UAE, there are a lot of regulatory authorities. We have in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi Global Market with its own crypto regulations. In Dubai, we have the Securities and Commodities Authority, which is a regulatory authority with the central bank. Uh, the central bank also is its own authority. And we have VARA, which is the newest uh, regulatory authority in Dubai, virtual asset regulatory authority for crypto. So it's very, it's a very interesting challenge, I would say, how the regulations of each of this regulatory authority will come into place and shape the crypto space. Because in ADGM, which is Abu Dhabi Global Market, uh, has its own regulations. So this will be different than if you want to obtain a license in the Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, which is VARA. Or different that if you want to also, I forgot to mention, uh, DIFC, the Dubai International Financial Center. So each regulatory authority has its own regulations. So... If you now want to set up a crypto business, I will lay them out all for you and tell you which one do you want to proceed with. And you will ask me, what are the advantages of each one? So this is a challenge because the most important thing I would want in UAE is to have more of a more or less of a standardized form of regulation so that they all match in terms of how the compliance, AML, legal, uh, functions, tools, procedures, and policies are relatively the same so that we can have a very good solid foundation for wherever you set up your business. There won't be big gaps or changes between them, but they're more or less on the same level. So UAE is very uh, open for digital asset businesses and really the it's uh, one of the few countries who have a lot of regulatory authorities that you can choose where to set up your business. But I would want them to have a very similar and solid foundation on all of them to, uh, in order to really grow and become a, the crypto hub of the world, I would say. Okay, super clear. Thank you, uh, Solendia, for all of this information. Uh, all of these insights for uh, this region that uh, I don't know very well and I'm sure many uh, people in Europe don't know well yet uh, but it will change uh, in the near future I'm sure of that uh, it was a pleasure to chat with you I hope it was for you too uh, and uh, uh, keep me posted on the evolution of your of your new business of course, Baptiste. Thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. I, I've been looking forward to it and it was great as expected. And of course, I will always keep you informed about the latest uh, updates and developments and also the launch of uh, uh, my company. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Sir India. See you soon. Of course. See you soon.